Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Oscar nominations are out. And as per usual, they include surprises and snubs. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. There's plenty of intrigue with the recent Oscar nominations, but regardless of who takes home the trophies, the big winner of the nominee list is Everything Everywhere All at Once. That film got a whopping 11 nominations. Here to break down all the nominees is Jeremy Martyr with the Music Box Theater in Lakeview. Okay, so lots to get through. Let's start from Best Picture, all right? Did you expect the Top Gun sequel to fall among those uh, those nominations? Yeah, actually, um, something that I was paying attention to um, with this year's nominees um, was that the Oscars usually are reactionary to the year before. Okay. And there was a lot of criticism last year when the Oscars um, didn't nominate um, more popular films, films that people had actually seen or gone out to the theater for. And so I was expecting this year to see more movies to show up that people really went out to see. We saw that down the line. We saw with Avatar getting a nomination, with Top Gun, Maverick, um, with Elvis, and yeah, with everything everywhere all at once. Yes, exactly. Um, Let's run through the 10 nominees for Best Picture really quickly, as you mentioned some of them there. So, So Best Picture nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin. Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So I'll be honest, Jeremy, I saw about one and a half of those movies. (laughs) (laughs) How many of these Best Picture nominees did you actually watch? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people are going to be asking that question as well. Um, When I was a kid and uh, watching the Oscars, one of my favorite things to do was to, when the Oscar uh, nominations came out to sort of look through the list, pick through the list, and watch the movies. I was always excited to see them. Um, I've seen probably eight out of those. Um, There's a few of the bigger ones that I missed uh, in theaters. I didn't get to see Tar, a movie I really was looking forward to see. So now I'm looking forward to going out. I mean, and and are you just watching them by default because of your job at at Music Box? Or (laughs) or are you just that big of a fan? Yeah, I I, I do um, try to go see the movies that are going to be in the conversation. Um, for these awards, but also just to talk to people about them in general. I think family and friends come to me and be like, what movie should I see? So I try to see the movies ahead of time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, with my uh, with my job at the Music Box, I do get to see a lot of the movies. Yes. So that is benefit. very helpful. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So we've talked about it a lot already. Everything, everywhere, all at once. This is, uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's uh, about a middle-aged Chinese immigrant woman being audited by the IRS who also learns that she is the key to saving the multiverse. So what did you think of the film? See, this is one of the movies that I was not able to go out and see in the theaters. Oh, you didn't see but this one. I was making sure that I would go and see it on a big screen. And so when I missed it in the summer, I knew it was going to get nominated for this Oscar. I got to bring people. Oh, you caught up after. I got to go catch up. So mm-hmm. what I've heard, though, is that it is very strange, very interesting in all the performances down the line are very interesting, including Michelle Yeoh, uh, Kehui Kwan, who um, was, you know, a child actor in the industry, um, now getting nominated for the first time, which is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's listen to a, a little clip from the film. You know, 
He doesn't have to stay. Who's he? Becky. Becky's a she. You know me. I always make up he, she. In Chinese, just one word. Ta. So easy. And the way you two are dressed, I'm sure I'm not the only one calling him he. I mean her, him, I. Anyways, my English is fine. And we have Google. So you don't have to come and be a translator. Huh? You stay here and she can cook it. So what's so compelling about this movie is that the character of Evelyn is an unlikely hero, but at the same time, Michelle Yeoh is the the superhero, I think, that we all want, right? I mean, talk more about that. Cheese was excellent, by the way. Yeah, this is one of those movies that I think is capturing people's um, interest in the strange, in movies that sort of are out there, that are exploring multiverses, um, that are not normal superhero fare, but are original stories that are being told. And um, Michelle Yeoh is such a beloved um, actress who has not been celebrated before. So it's just so nice to see people um, rallying around the cause um, for actresses uh, who haven't been recognized, uh, as well as like people like Stephanie Hsu, who is a supporting actor in the film, yeah. who also was nominated. Well, you know what, Jeremy? Let's loop in another voice to this conversation. Michi Trada is here, who's a features editor with Prism. Hey, Michi, welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So we happen to be talking about one of your favorite movies. You were on the show <laughs> last month. You were talking about the best movies of 2022 with mm-hmm. us. And uh, so we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Now, why does it top your list. Remind us. uh, Because it is such a risk-taking movie. There's so many things in it that shouldn't have worked, but it did because the script was grounded in a story about a family, particularly a mother and daughter. And this is and the ideas of what could we have been? Yeah, um, you know, I'm turning 45 on sad on Sunday, so happy early birthday! <laughs> Thank you. That what if is absolutely something I've been thinking about a lot, and yeah. I think for folks like me, uh, I'm Filipina American. Uh, seeing that story, which is it's not a new story, but seeing it through the lens of an Asian diaspora family, I think, is something that really brings it home. Yeah. And the fact that it resonated with so many other people makes it feel like folks like me are being seen and act- and humanized more. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a good thought. Uh, any nominations among this best picture category that either of you disagree with? You first, Mitchie. Uh, I mean, I understand the... Sp- expansion of the best picture category Mm -hmm. uh, to recognize how much, you know, for better, for worse, I think for worse, capitalism has to do with the movie industry. Top Gun? (laughs) Um, I mean, Top Gun, fine, I get it. You know, we're we're joking that Tom Cruise single-handedly saved Hollywood, whatever, apparently. um, But if you're going to have something like Top Gun Avatar, which, again, is, for me, it it is... uh, dances with Fern Gully, so many issues of erasure and appropriating the stories of indigenous struggles without any actual indigenous people. Um, but if you're going to have those movies, where the hell is Wakanda forever? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was a big question there. So, so you're 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 taking us right into the snubs <laughs> part of the. This, that's the next portion of this conversation, and and I'm looking at you, Jeremy. What did you think about that? The so, fact that uh, Black Panther's Wakanda Forever was not was shut out of that category. Well, I um, 
For me, uh, the, the movie that stands out for me that was snubbed uh, was not Wakanda Forever. We did see Angela Bassett get nominated um, for that movie. The movie for me that was that sort of represents that role mm-hmm. is The Woman King, yeah. uh, yes. which is directed yeah. by Gina Prince-Bythewood. Gina. And it's one of the best movies of the year. It is that big screen spectacle. It's in a, you know, a story that hasn't been told. Uh, it's not part of a franchise. It's all these things that, you know, I think people are looking for in nominations. Such a unique story, too, that they dug up for this film. Yeah. And, yeah. and Viola Davis got stumped for it as well. So, you know, that movie got zero nominations, including the craft categories, which is, you know. Really? Yeah. yeah. yeah I think that reflects actually one of my biggest problems with this year's Oscars is that there has been quite a bit of snubbing of black filmmakers and women in general, there are no women in the director's category. None. And you cannot tell me that uh, Gina Prince Blythewood is not, should not be up there. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, Chinonye yeah. Chuku, who uh, mm-hmm. directed Till, uh, yeah. also not there. I mean, she came out accusing Hollywood of, quote, unabashed misogyny towards black women after Till, you know, missed out on getting any nominations. Yeah, an- another example of that, unfortunately, um, is in the Best International Feature category. Um, the one that I was really looking forward to see up there was St. Omer. It's a French Senegalese movie uh, directed by Alice Diop. And that category this year is uh, not representing any countries outside of uh, outside of Europe except for Argentina. And so it's just sort of dispiriting to see this year after year. Um, it's one of the big things that the Oscars has been criticized for in the past. So while seeing some advancements in some areas, like the Michelle Yeoh nomination, yeah. mm. you see back steps with more categories. I actually have feelings about everybody making big hay over everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, I want to be very clear. It deserves every single nomination. There should have been more, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But... I really am done with this whole Hollywood patting itself on the back. being like, we have more Asian, Asian representation. I'm like, no, you have not fixed Asian representation and discrimination in Hollywood any more than you have fixed your issues with misogynoir, with snubbing films that are from that are non-Western European foreign language films. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one movie. We have four act, four Asian actors from two movies. That is not a sweep of the Oscars. It is, again, one movie. One, yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, let's talk more about uh, that best actress category. Um, Anna de Armas for the Mar- Marilyn Monroe biopic uh, Blonde. So we thought that this was interesting, and I'm bringing it up because just the day before her Oscars nod dropped, her performance was actually nominated for Worst Actress in this year's uh, Razzie Awards. (laughs) So let's listen. Here's a scene where Marilyn is is praying in front of her vanity mirror for the charming persona of Marilyn Monroe to come forward. Please come. She's coming. She's almost here. Please come. (laughs) 
What did you think, Jeremy? What do I think about Anna de Armas or the Razzies? Because I, mean, I can go in on the Razzies <laughs> if you want me to. I mean, well, I mean, who has it right, the Razzies or the Academy? Well, I will say um, the Anna de Armas performance and that movie in particular is very divisive. It is one of those movies that people love and people hate, which uh, I think is good. I think that there are people who are championing it. There's people who hate that performance and that movie with all of its flaws. Um, I personally do not like that movie. However, um, I think the Razzies, uh, which nominated that movie um, and its director in Best Couple for Andrew Dominique and his issues with women, I think the 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 Razzies needs needs to take a look at itself um, and their issues with women <laughs> in years past. They usually like to pick on young actresses who are going for it, who are you know aiming for the back of the audience um, and like to take them down a peg, including nominating a child uh, for worst performance this year. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Which film or performance, though, would get your Razzie mm. this oh. year? What film or performance would get my Razzie? That's a really good question. Um, there were definitely a few movies this year that did not did not inspire me. <laughs> and We like to be inspired. Yes. Um, be real. I will... I will defer and ask if you know which movie for you would be the worst of the year because I, I'm, I'm really not coming up with anything that I want to hate on right now. Well, I mean, you know, we'll t- taste is all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. We all have different tastes. Of course. What I would actually pick as, I think, deserving of a Razzie, really the weird thing is that has nothing to do, I think, with the actors involved because they were all beholden to the script. Absolutely giving, you know, doing whatever they could with it. But when I go to a film, I don't necessarily look for for inspiration. I want to be entertained. I want to come out of it feeling like I've experienced maybe not something new, but a it's got it's taken me out of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Adam is one of my biggest disappointments because I do so not bad. know how so, you take a movie so bad. with The Rock, with Pierce Brosnan, so with bad. Aldous Hodge, and come up with something so bad, just dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were all tried. I mean, you know, The, the, the Rock I is I wanted to just, love it. I, I wanted to love it. There was not a single bit of humor. I was expecting three weird dads. I mean, it would have been great. <laughs> but no, there was no love and there was no passion in that film. Yeah. Um, you talked about representation a bit earlier. I, I mean, I should note um, the best actor category. A lot of folks talking mm. about how, you know, uh, we've got Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The the Banshees of Inna Sharon, uh, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. People saying, you know, all white men in that mm-hmm. category. Um, and just in general, just not a lot of black representation among the acting categories. Any surprises? I am not surprised because Hollywood's going to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like every year we have this thing where maybe there's a teeny bit, teeny bit of improvement. Hollywood pats itself on the back and then it all goes back to normal, um, which I think just goes to show that this is the issue with white supremacy underpinning everything in our culture, our institutions, our businesses. Uh, it is really difficult to push back against permanently. It requires constant effort. And, you know, for all of the executives who may be saying, but I'm so tired, this is so hard. I'm like, okay, that's great. 
try being the people who are constantly overlooked. Yeah. We talked about Best Actress quite a bit. You mentioned Angela Bassett earlier. Jamie Lee Curtis, I didn't know that this was her first Oscar nomination. She is nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's her first? Yeah, that's her first nomination. Which is something to me. I had no clue. Yeah, I I, I was really excited this year. Um, One of the things that when I pulled up the nominations and uh, was happy about was seeing all these um, older act- actors who've been mm. in the in- industry for a while getting yeah. recognized for the first time. Judd Hirsch, Brendan Gleeson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Yeoh, um, Kei Kui Kwan, as we were mm-hmm. saying. like These are actors who've been a part of the industry who are finally getting their laurels, they're finally getting their flowers. And that, to me, is heartening, as well as a bunch of young actors uh, like Hong Chow and Austin Butler and Paul Mezcal, who's my favorite. Yeah. Um, I mean, after Sun in general, just, you know, that was another snub, seeing Charlotte Wells not show up in Best Director. That was really dispiriting for me as an After Sun fan. Um, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that people are stepping up and, and supporting these actors who've been a part of the industry, who've done great work in stuff that maybe were laughed at or not taken as seriously for years, yeah. who are now um, being respected. And I, I know, Mitchie, some folks are listening right now and maybe they're thinking, do we even need award shows anymore? <laughs> are, are they still relevant? Are, are they giving good attention to, to cinema or are they just becoming obsolete? What do you think? So um, this conversation comes up in a lot of other areas with awards. Um, I am very deep into the science fiction and fantasy community. And with the Hugo Awards, this is a conversation that has been going on for forever. And it is very interesting to note that no matter what the industry, no matter what the genre, suddenly we start having conversations about, are the awards still worth it when... The demographic of the people who are being honored, who are being given recognition and who, God forbid, are winning starts to look more reflective of the actual population of the United States, of the rest of the world. Um, It is very interesting. That is my main thing whenever that question comes up, because, yes, I do think it makes it still matters because those awards when you can say that you are an Academy Award winner, that opens up doors for you in ways that are not going to change for a very long time. And as long as that is an avenue to more visibility, to more power, to shape the industry, to be seen, Mm -hmm. we absolutely need those awards because we have centuries of inequity and injustice in who has been even allowed the chance to be seen to access those halls of power. Mm -hmm. And we've come a long way from who has even been allowed to be in the building, right? There were those days too. Let's not forget. (laughs) All right. In the seconds that we have, Jeremy, I want you to tell us about the Music Box Theater's annual Oscar party. Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, there's a lot of fun sort of Oscar things going on this year at the Music Box. Um, We... um, are showing all the Oscar shorts, which are part of my favorite part of the Oscars, is seeing the shorts that get recognized. Yes. People often like to just sort of push that to the side. Um, but we're showing the live action, the doc, and the animated shorts. And those are really fun to go see. Um, because even if you don't like one, it's only on for a little bit. And then you're <laughs> on to the next one. That's so, true. Yeah. Um, we're showing all the shorts. Um, 
And we're showing Close by uh, Lucas Don't, which is a Belgian film that got nominated for Best Foreign Film, a queer story. It's, it's, I haven't seen the film yet, but I, uh, that's opening on uh, February 3rd. Okay. Um, and, and then on the Oscars, we do a, a party in the lounge. Um, last year, we served like wine and cheese, and oh, we just fun. did an Oscar pool, and we had a really good time. Um, just hanging out with friends. and You got to up it this year. Yeah, we got to. Exactly. <laughs> so that's going to be the night of the Oscars. Nice. Um, we'll leave it there. Jeremy Martyr is from the Music Box Theater and Mitchie Trotta features, is features editor with Prism. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Great chat. Thank you so much. This episode of Reset was produced by Maha Ahmed, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. Hear the latest on culture, news, and politics by subscribing to the Reset podcast. And stop me if you've heard this before, but do leave us a rating and review when you do. Seriously, it makes a big difference for our show. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.